Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Me Time, Alonement's new weekly series of 10-minute mini-episodes from the archives. We'll be showcasing some of the very best wisdom from our favourite former guests, and we'll be doing so in bite-sized episodes designed for those small pockets of Me Time. This clip is taken from a full-length episode with philosopher, author, and School of Life founder Alan de Botton, first released in March 2020. The normal impulse is um, always to start with trying to fit in with what other people want of you. And society is not neutral in this regard. There are all sorts of stories that we're constantly told about how we might behave in order to be um, a a respectable and, in inverted commas, normal member of society. And these stories begin very, very uh, young. And, you know, they are changing, but there are still powerful stories about what it's like to be a little boy or a little girl, um, what it's like to be a, uh, an adolescent, uh, what it's like to be you know, a university student. It, these stories pursue us, um, and it takes a great deal of uh, inner freedom to be able to ask yourself the question, is this actually me? It, now, it may be, you know, it may be that you, you're fitting a dominant social story of what you're meant to be, but it may also not be. Now, we've got one very dominant model of this happening in our society, and that is around sexuality. So we all know the story, because of you know pioneering work of all sorts of people for, for decades and decades, the story of somebody who gradually discovers that their sexuality is different from the expected sexuality, that even though you know, their peers and their parents and the wider society may think of them in one way, you know, that they should settle down with a nice boy or a nice girl. Actually, no, no, they want somebody of their own gender. So that story has been through a great deal of sort of heroic re-narration has been, has been told to us in a fresh way that you could actually wake up and realize that you're gay and that this is something that is a precious piece of self-knowledge that you can then take out into the world and and run your life in a different way. But if I can say, there's actually many, many more models of this, and it doesn't only apply around sexuality. It, it applies to almost anything you, you dare to think of. I mean, it could be around um, what you have for breakfast or around what clothes you wear or how you sleep. I mean, imagine if somebody realizes through self-interrogation that they are not actually a typical sleeper. And imagine if 
after a few nights with a new partner, they say, look, I'm terribly sorry, but I can't really share a bed with you. I don't really, I'm not really comfortable doing this. Um, I, I wake up at three in the morning and then I'm awake between three and five when some of my best ideas come to, come, come to me. And I'd like to be on my own. And, um, please don't take this the wrong way. Now that takes quite a lot of courage. It, it's akin to a sort of mini coming out in the realm of sleeping. Um, but somebody might also say that, you know, they don't like drinking alcohol. And so even though all their friends are drinking alcohol, they realize that they love sparkling water. And that's what they want to be in their peer group. So so there are constantly moments when we might discover in large areas and small areas, in comedic areas and in pretty serious areas, that we don't fit the model of um, being normal that, that is sold to us. And um, I think that a a mature life and a well-developed life and a courageous life is one in which in as many areas as possible, we have a good sense of who we are and are able to take that out into the world and tell people about who we are in ways that are not going to scare them and appall them, but um, hopefully interest them and um, lead them in turn to discover their own departures from the so-called normal, because this stuff is catching. You know, if somebody has the bravery to say, actually, I, I don't drink, or I um, I like to sleep in a different way, or I, I fancy a different sort of person, or whatever it may be, then other people will discover that courage in themselves. I really like that notion of a mini coming out. I think that has so much to do with alonement, where we're expected to do so many things with other people, like dining out at a restaurant or going on holiday, even being in a relationship. For some people, that just isn't suitable for them. How do we get to that point, though, of self-knowledge where we can have that mini coming out? Because a lot of us just aren't that honest with ourselves. The challenge really goes down to the architecture of our minds. Our minds don't give us data very clearly about what we're actually experiencing. Our minds evolved over millions of years to do all sorts of things. But one of the things that they're not particularly good at doing is keeping us in touch with our actual emotions um, and, and thereby helping us to understand ourselves with the accuracy that we need to navigate you know, key aspects of the modern world. So what I mean by that is, it's possible, for example, not to notice that you are an introvert, that, that, that actually you could go through life and you might have missed a whole host of cues that suggest to you that actually you are an introverted person. Um, and that's partly because we often look to what other people are saying about us to understand ourselves. So we don't use our own registry of emotions and, and sensations as the first port of call. We'll, we'll sort of, we'll see what other people are saying and they'll go, okay, right. So, you know, I'm, I roughly subscribe to what other people are telling me and other people may not have noticed something. So then we, we end up with quite a distorted uh, sense of ourselves that we, we're, we're not fitting in, um, with the data that's actually inside us. And, and so there's going to be a kind of dissonance between what other people are telling us we are and what we actually are. And, to try and bring the two into line, as it were, the, the public perception and the private reality, we may have to undergo some rather artificial exercises like sitting around and thinking about it and actually reviewing the evidence. So, you know, on the basis of the evidence, um, am I happy in my relationship? You know, other people are going, well, you look so terrific with your partner. You must be having a great time. But actually, 
is that true? Let's just actually analyze it. And, and that may uh, mean that you might have to review material. Um, similarly, you know, am I enjoying my job? Well, um, you know, my mum thinks I am. Um, and she might be quite invested in thinking that. But, but, but am I? Um, so we might need to, to do a very odd thing, which is to ask ourselves a question as if we are a stranger to ourselves. Along the lines of, well, what do you want? Uh, are you happy in this relationship, etc.? And that sounds quite odd to use the word you in relation to yourself. I mean, but but nevertheless, it, it does actually make sense when, when you think that, you know, the mind is split into what you could call a kind of stream of consciousness, which is picking up data all the time, which is experiencing certain things, and then a reviewing, sort of uh, summarizing and analytical intelligence, which which is not really plugged in at all times. It needs to be slightly artificially plugged in and then takes stock of what's been going on. So, so that, as it were, the minute-by-minute flow of sensations doesn't necessarily give us answers to some of the key things that we might need to know. So we might need to step back and go, right, um, I've been doing some living uh, of late. You know, I've, I've been alive this week. Um, how do I feel about my relationship now? What am I thinking about my career now? What is my view about my friends? Because even though you've been in the relationship, you've been in your friendships, um, you've been inside your, your work, um, you may not have uh, sort of sifted through the evidence and, and come to those larger conclusions. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. I mean, I definitely do. It's really inconvenient to acknowledge certain feelings. It's difficult to acknowledge, for instance, that you want to call time on a relationship or that you want to quit your job. For me, something that really helped is keeping a diary because that's allowed me to connect with my inner thoughts in a way that I don't really think I did before because I would run away from them. What would you recommend in terms of practical steps for gaining that self-knowledge? And do you have to be physically by yourself in order to do it? Or can someone else help? Yes, I mean, it's very, very hard in the presence of most people to gain real insights into yourself. There are wonderful people who are trained to do this, and generally they go by the name of psychotherapists. Now, a good psychotherapist is somebody who, very uniquely among humans that we meet, is interested in helping you to understand yourself. And they do something that in general conversation people very rarely do, which is to step aside in order to let the true shape of you emerge most of the time, people use conversation as a platform in which to assert their own opinion. And though that can be very interesting, it may not be the best way of helping you to understand yourself. So um, so I don't think we should put the split in terms of being alone versus being with somebody. I think we should say that there's a certain sort of person who helps a lot, but that person is what you might colloquially call a good listener. Uh, but it's not actually just listening. It's it's listening with intent. Because a good listener, we might expect, is just somebody who steps back and lets you speak. It's, not, it, it, it's more creative than that. Good listening also involves helping you to find your way back to maybe a point that you were making, but that you've lost. So somebody, you know, a good listener might say something like, can I just take you back to something you were saying? Or, um, you know, it's interesting the way you, that you, know, you use the word you know, the, um, you know, can we come back to that or whatever? Because the, the, the good listener is sensing the true shape of things that are struggling to emerge. 
you can do all of this within your own mind. You, one side of the mind can listen to the other. That's what I was saying a moment ago. So the good internal listener also does editing, focusing, etc. For this kind of thing, having a pattern paper, as you mentioned, is really helpful because really what it does is you're able to write something down and then the mind will lose track of it very, very quickly. I mean, we will forget, you know, um, uh, within seconds of what was said, what was written. But the fact it's there on a piece of paper, it means you can find your way, own way back to it. I should say that some of the reason why this self-examination is so difficult is not merely uh, a sort of coincidence that we can't um, remember. It's more, there's more intention than that. And that is that we have heavy investments in forgetting and not examining, because a lot of what we find when we do start to examine ourselves and we do start to focus on things is anxiety-inducing material of one kind or another. We might discover that we're not in love with who we should be in love with, or that we are envious of somebody that it's really awkward to be envious of, or that we are newly conscious of inadequacy that would mean that we really have to alter our lives in a certain way. So we're likely to stumble on difficult stuff. And it's for this reason that being on your own is for many, many people, um, not just a bit boring, because that makes it sound um, coincidental. It's actually positively frightening. It's horrible. And it's horrible because you're in danger of stumbling on bits of information that will require pain in one way or another. The pain of mourning, the pain of needing to take action, um, the pain of realizing that life isn't the way you want it to be, etc. So there's going to be some cost to doing this. So it isn't enough to say that you can know yourself by being alone, because there are ways of being alone that below the surface are actually ways of not being with yourself. Imagine somebody who uh, says, you know, I need to spend time alone and um, cancels all social appointments and sits at home. But actually, what are they doing at home? Maybe, you know, they're checking the news every two minutes or maybe they are repetitively um, using their mind to, to avoid uh, an, another kind of um, introspection. So, you know, both both with the status of being alone and the status of being with someone, it's not really that that defines the issue. You can be with somebody and exploring your mind if, if it's the right sort of creative listener. And you can be so-called on your own, but still doing your absolute hardest not to reckon with yourself. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.